Chapter thirty six of Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals, Volume three, by Author L. Hayward. Chapter thirty six The Life of Thomas Polson, alias Hitchin a footpad and highwayman habit is the most dangerous of all evils the transports of passion are sometimes prevented from having fatal effects either by the precautions of those with whom we quarrel or because of a sudden reflection of our own minds checks our hand but where men have abandoned themselves to wickedness and given themselves up to the commission of every kind of evil without restraint there is little hope to be entertained of their ever mending and if the fear of a sudden death work a true repentance it is all that can be hoped as for this unfortunate man of whose actions the course of our memoirs obliges us to treat he was descended from parents who lived at marlow in the county of salop who were equally honest in their reputations and easy in their circumstances they spared nothing in the education of their son and it is hard to say whether their care of him was more or his application was less even while a child and at school he gave two evident symptoms of that lazy indolent disposition which attended him so flagrantly and was justly the occasion of all the misfortunes of his succeeding life learning was of all things his aversion it was with difficulty that he was taught to read and write as to employment his father brought him up to husbandry and the business of a rural life when he was of age his father gave him an estate of twenty pounds per annum freehold and got him into a very good farm he procured for him also a wife who had ten pounds a year or more of her own and settled him in such a manner that no young man in the country had a better prospect of doing well than himself but alas to what purpose are the endeavours of others where a man studies nothing so much as to compass his own ruin on a sudden he took a love to card-playing and addicted himself to it with such earnestness that he neglected his business and squandered his money want was what of all things he hated except work and therefore rather than labour to retrieve he bethought himself of an easier way of getting money and that was to steal his first attempt was upon his father whom he robbed of a considerable sum of money he not being in the least suspected a poor maid who lived in the house bore the blame for about six months and nobody in all that time being charged with it but her there was at last a design in the old man's head to prosecute her this reaching young polson's ear he resolved not to let an innocent person suffer which was indeed a very just and honourable act whereupon he wrote a humble letter to his father acknowledging his fault begging pardon for his offences and desiring that he would not prosecute the poor woman or suffer her to be any longer under the odium of a fact of which she had not the least knowledge this to be sure had its effect on his father who was a very honest and considerate man he took care to restore the wench to her good character and his favour though for a while he with just reason continued to frown upon his son 
at last parental tenderness prevailed and after giving him several cautions and much good advice he promised on his good behaviour to forgive him what had passed the young man promised fairly but falling quickly into necessities want of money had its old effect upon him again that is impatient to be at his old practices tired with work and not yet knowing how to get money he at length resolved to go to wales and steal horses this project he executed and took one from one mr lewis of a considerable value he sold it to a london butcher for about sixteen pounds at a village not far from shrewsbury that money did him little good and therefore the next time he was in a strait he readily bethought himself of wales accordingly he equipped himself with a little pad and he set out in quest of purchase at a little inn in wales he met with a gentleman whom he had reason to suppose had money about him whereupon our highwayman was very industrious first to make him drink and then to get him for a bedfellow both of which designs he had in the end brought to pass and by that means robbed him of six pounds odd money taking care to go in the morning a different road from what he had talked of and by that means easily escaped what pursuit was made after him when he had committed this fact he retired towards canterbury giving himself over entirely to thieving or cheating on which design he traversed the whole county of kent but found the people so cautious that he did it with very little advantage until at last coming near maidstone he observed a parcel of fine linen hanging upon a hedge he immediately bethought himself that though the people were wise yet their hedges might be otherwise upon which stepping up to it he fairly stripped it of ten fine shirts and so left the people who had washed them to account for it after this exploit he made the best of his way to london where he speedily sold the linen for five pounds to a life guardsman and when he had spent a good part of it down he went to norfolk and being afraid that the inhabitants would take notice of a stranger setting up his abode there for any considerable time he thought fit to pretend to be very lame having continued as long as he thought proper in this place he took his opportunity to carry off a fine mare out of the grounds of sir john habbard baronet now the right honourable the lord blickling this was one of the most dangerous feats he ever committed in his life for the scent was so strong upon him and so quickly followed that he was forced to take a multitude of byways to get to london where he set her up in the haymarket however he quickly found there was no possibility of disposing of her here information having been given of her to all the great jockeys so that for present money he was obliged to borrow four guineas of the man at the inn and to leave her in his hands by way of security which was making but a poor hand of what he had hazarded his life for by this time his father had received some intelligence of his way of living and out of tenderness of its consequences wrote him assuring him of forgiveness for all that was past if he would come down into the country and live honestly such undeserved tenderness had some weight even with our criminal himself and he at last began to frame his mind to comply with the request of so good a father accordingly down he came 
and for a little space behaved himself honestly and as he should do but his old distemper laziness quickly came in his way and finding money not to come in so fast as he would have it he began to think of his old practice again and prepared himself once more to sally out upon his illegal adventures for this purpose taking with him a little mare of his brother's for at that time he had no horse proper for the designs he went on forth he rode in search of prey wales was the place he first visited and after riding up and down for a good while without meeting any purchase worth taking he at last unluckily stumbled upon a poor man in flintshire who had one foot already in the grave from him he took a silver watch worth about five pounds and five shillings in money which was all the poor man had and making thereupon the greatest haste he could out of the country he got clear away before it was discovered after this he came again to london where what little money he had he lavished away upon women of the town it was not long before want overtook him again upon which he determined to visit yorkshire in hopes of raising some considerable booty there all the way down according to his common practice he built the public houses and at last arriving in doncaster began to set heartily about the work for which he came down on a market day he robbed an old farmer of forty shillings and a pair of silver buckles taking his horse also from him which when he had ridden about fifteen miles across country he turned loose he rambled from thence on foot as well as he could in order to get into his native country of shropshire where after the commission of a multitude of such actions none of which afforded him any great booty he arrived his father took him home again and he lived for eleven months tolerably honest however to keep his hand in use he now and then stole a shoulder of mutton a joint which he particularly loved but sometimes to please his father he would work a little though it always went much against the grain at last he quarrelled with his wife and thereupon threatened to go away again which very quickly after he did turning his course notwithstanding his former ill-success into yorkshire once more he was at several of the races in that country and having no particular business in any place did nothing but course the country round pilfering and stealing whatever came in his way insomuch that at one end finding nothing else to lay his hands on he stole the people's sheets off the bed he lay in and marched off in the morning so early that he was out of danger before they perceived the theft but finding that he could not do any considerable matter amongst the people who are cunning to a proverb he bethought himself of returning to london and the society of those strumpets in which he took a delight however all the way on the road he made a shift to pick up as much as kept him pretty well all the way on his arrival in town he set up his place of residence in an inn near leather lane holborn where he remained one whole day to rest himself after the fatigue of his northern journey there he reflected on the sad state in which his affairs were being without money and without friends justly disregarded by his friends in the country and hated and despised by all his neighbours 
his debts too amounted to near a hundred and forty pounds so that there was no hope in going back the result of these cogitations was that the next day he would go out on the road towards hampstead and see what might be made there he accordingly did so but with very ill success however he returned a second time and had no better the third day towards evening he observed an old gentleman in the chase by himself whom he robbed of six guineas a watch a morning ring and nine and sixpence in silver and then making over the fields got home very safe for three days he thought it fit to remain within doors under pretence of sickness fearing lest he should be advertised and described in the public prints but finding nothing of that happened he grew bold and for about fourteen nights continued the same trade constantly getting sometimes two or three pieces and sometimes losing his labour and getting nothing at all at length waiting pretty late for an old man who as he was informed was to come that night with eight hundred pounds about him although he was so feeble that a child might be able to take it from him he at length grew impatient and resolved to rob the first man he met this proved to be one mr andrews who raised so quick a pursuit upon him that he never lost sight of him until the time of his being apprehended when he was carried to newgate and prosecuted the next session for the aforesaid robbery he was then indicted for taking from the said thomas andrews after putting him in fear six or seven shillings in money a bay mare bridle and saddle and a cane on the twenty third of july seventeen thirty the evidence was exceedingly clear he having as i have said never gone out of sight from the time of the robbery to the time he was taken under sentence of death the prisoner behaved with great piety and resignation he showed great concern for the offences of his former life and testified the utmost sorrow for having blemished an honest family by the shame of his vices and their just punishment the night before his execution he wrote a letter to his parents in the country which though it be written in a very uncouth style yet i have thought fit to insert it verbatim because there is a strain in it of unusual confusion and concern expressing the agony of a dying man with more truth and tenderness than the best penned epistle could have done honoured parents my duty to both my love to my brother-in-law i wish to god i had been ruled by you for now i see the evil of my sin but i freely die only the disgrace i have brought on you my wife and children i wrote to my wife last saturday was seven night but had no answer for i should have been glad to have heard from you before i die which will be on wednesday the seventh of this instant october hoping i have made my peace with god almighty i freely forgive all the world and die in charity with all people had it not been for joyce height's sister and mr howell i might have starved he told me it has cost him fifteen shillings on my account and he gave me four more i desire thomas mason will give my wife that locket for my son i have nothing more to say but my prayers to god for you all day and night and for god's sake be as kind to my poor wife and children as in your power lies 
I desire there might be some care taken of that estate at Minton for my son. Mr. Botfield hath the old writings, and I beg you will get them and give them to my wife, and pray show her this letter and my love to her, and my blessings to my children, begging of her as I am a dying man to be good to them, and not make any difference in them, but be as kind to one as the other, and if she is able to put the boy to some trade. Mr. Waring and Thomas Tomlings have each of them a book of mine, pray ask for them, which is all I have to say, but my prayers to God for you all, which is all from your dying son, Richard Paulson. In my cell, October the 6th. P.S. My love to all my friends, pray show this letter to my wife as soon as you can, and desire of her to bring up my children in the fear of the Lord, and to make my son a scholar if she is able. There is five of us to die. In this disposition of mind, and without adding anything to his former confessions, he suffered on the 7th of October, 1730, being then in the 33rd year of his age. End of chapter 36